This episode of Big Law Business is brought to you by Zeproved. Prex is the premier conference for in-house e-discovery professionals, whether you're a lawyer who manages corporate liability, an IT professional focused on data security, or a business manager looking to cut discovery costs. Prex brings the visionaries of the e-discovery industry together to cover today's trends and tomorrow's opportunities. Join Zeproved in Portland, Oregon on September 12th through the 14th for the sixth annual Prex, featuring keynote speaker Glenn Greenwald, the Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, best known for his reporting on NSA's surveillance programs based on classified documents disclosed by Edward Snowden. You can register now at prex17.com. That's P-R-E-X-1-7.com. Use the code Bloomberg and get 20% off registration. If you're in e-discovery, Prex is the conference for you. I'm Josh Block. Welcome to Big Law Business. This podcast focuses on the business of law, how the largest corporate law departments and their law firms do business. This episode is another in our series of deep dives on specific law firms. In past episodes in this series, we've talked about Jones Day, Gibson Dunn, and K&L Gates. Today, we turn our attention to Kasowitz Benson Torres. The firm, of course, has been in the news because of the relationship between its leader and founding partner, Mark Kasowitz, and Donald Trump. Mark Kasowitz has been one of President Trump's go-to attorneys for over 15 years, and in May was chosen as Trump's private counsel for the federal probe into Russian interference in the 2016 election. We'll be talking about more than just the Trump connection, but that's the reason we chose Kasowitz Benson as the topic. One note, we recorded this podcast on July 11th in the early afternoon. Late that night, ProPublica published a 3,400-word story about Mark Kasowitz and his law firm. In the piece, they reported that colleagues say Mark Kasowitz has a history of alcohol abuse and inappropriate behavior. The article goes on to question whether Mark Kasowitz can provide effective counsel to President Trump, as this history could prevent him from receiving security clearance to see classified materials related to the Russia investigation. A spokesman for Kasowitz, Michael Citrick, said that Mark Kasowitz has not struggled with alcoholism and that much of what ProPublica reported is false and defamatory. Joining me on this podcast are two legal journalists who have both recently written about Kasowitz, Bob Van Voris of Bloomberg News and Christine Simmons of New York Law Journal. I began by asking Bob about the firm's beginnings in 1993. Kasowitz, Benson and Torres uh, was founded back in 1993 by Mark Kasowitz. Uh, Mark Kazowitz was a big firm associate and uh, later a partner at the Chicago firm uh, Mayor Brown and, Brown and Platt in its New York office. He did a lot of uh, defense in product liability litigation. He defended Hoaxed Selenies, a uh, chemical company that was facing thousands of suits over defective pipes that were flooding people's homes. And uh, back in 93, he took the practice group, about 17 people who were uh, working on that litigation with him, and they founded their own firm, uh, and uh, that is uh, the Kasowitz firm. Kasowitz Benson Torres was initially focused more on product liability litigation, as Bob mentioned, um, litigation over uh, leaky plumbing pipes, and then became known for 
for um, its representation of tobacco clients um, Liggett group and um, it was it represented that client for years back in the days of big tobacco litigation. More recently, the firm is known for securities and complex commercial litigation, and it um, its revenue and profits have really tracked along with the rise of financial crisis litigation. Can you tell me more about the different clients? Yeah, he's represented a lot of uh, financial companies, real estate companies, uh, industrial companies like Hoek-Selanese back, uh, way back when. Um, the companies that he's represented include ACA Financial Guarantee, Douglas Elliman Realty, MBIA, uh, one of the country's biggest insurers, uh, the Federal Housing Finance Agency in litigation over the 2008 crash, Fairfax Financial, and uh, Harbinger Capital. He also represents Spurbank, uh, which is a big uh, Russian conglomerate and uh, represented Bill O'Reilly before he was uh, pushed out at uh, Fox. They were ranked 137 in gross revenue in the most recent rankings of the American Lawyer um, at 217 million, though they're ranked much higher in profits per partner where they rank 43rd, an average of 1.8 million per equity partner. Can you tell me more about their financials? The firm really took off um, once it got a hold of financial crisis litigation. In 2006, before the financial crisis, um, it generated 141 million in revenue, but by 2012, it was 250 million. Around the same time, its um, number of attorneys grew to uh, 372, um, the highest, its peak in attorney headcount. Since then, um, with the end of the financial crisis litigation, Kasowitz's headcount and finances have declined somewhat. Uh, To deal with dwindling financial crisis litigation, it had two waves of layoffs, maybe about up to 70 um, attorneys and staff um, collectively in all. And um, it's since then partners, a wave of partners and associates have left the firm in separate groups, from what I've heard, due to low morale. Um, That was back in um, 2014, 2015, going into last year. Bob, the firm is known for litigation where they've... um when you see profiles, you you hear Uber litigator and Pitbull, and and especially with Mark Kasowitz, uh, toughest lawyer on Wall Street, and, and aggressiveness. You talk about to the degree that that's his reputation and the firm's reputation and, and the litigation matters they've been involved in? Well, it's a little of both. Uh, they are definitely known for their litigation, and this goes back to their start uh, when he was defending products liability suits. Um, but uh, as um, Christine mentioned, the, the representation that kind of put him on the map and put the firm on the map is when he convinced Bennett LeBeau and uh, the Liggett Group to sign on as clients. Um, this is back in the mid-'90s. And uh, LeBeau at the time was the owner of the fifth largest of the the, the big five American tobacco companies um, that for years, for decades, had been sort of cooperating, conspiring to uh, keep the dangers of cigarette smoking to themselves and to uh, uh, plaintiffs alleged uh, to mislead the American public and, and to hook kids on smoking. Um, back in 1996, LeBeau and Kazowitz came up with a strategy to bring from the industry for the first time, uh, LeBeau and his company then started turning over documents to plaintiff's lawyers and to 
attorneys general who were suing the industry. This uh, was a first break in the uh, the dam of the the tobacco industry, and 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 really directly led uh, later in the 90s to the attorneys general uh, settling uh, litigation with 50 states for about 256 billion dollars. You can't really overstate the effect of that. That has changed uh, from that time the the entire cigarette industry in the United States and how how cigarettes are marketed and sold uh, here in the United States and has led to declining tobacco use in the U.S. One of the things about that litigation and this aggressiveness tag, right, was this sort of separating from the other defendants, right, and, and got them doing possibly right by their client and at the expense of other defendants. That's exactly right. This was a strategy that had served the industry very well for decades. And uh, up until that time, not a single tobacco company had paid a product liability judgment or settlement, uh, and it wouldn't for, for, for several years after that. Now we see multi-million dollar uh, lawsuits and, and recoveries against the industry. But at back at the time, uh, when Kazowitz was a young partner at his uh, startup firm, uh, he had to have the confidence to be able to go against uh, an entire very powerful industry, put on his prosecutor's hat and and split with Philip Morris and R.J. Reynolds and, and the rest of them. Kazowitz in general um, is, no, is known for being a very hard negotiator, um, very hard to... Um, uh, to give any concessions. I think an adversary was quoted as saying that it's like trying to nail jam on a wall. Um, but still, he was able to come up with these massive settlements on behalf of his tobacco clients. At times, it's his aggressive posture has gotten the firm in hot water. Um, in 2007, a Manhattan federal judge found Kasowitz client BioVal Corporation violated a protective order by using documents obtained in a federal suit to support a separate New Jersey state action. Kasowitz Benson denied wrongdoing throughout. And in, in the last year, Kasowitz, the Kasowitz firm was disqualified due to a conflict that the firm apparently refused to see as a problem. Kasowitz had been representing um, digital media company Interactive Corporation in a property contract dispute with real estate developer the Georgetown Company. It turns out that the developer's principal was represented by the firm's matrimonial group headed by Eleanor Alter. According to court papers, Kasowitz took the position that there was no conflict, but Alter disagreed and decided to leave the firm. A state court judge disqualified the firm from continuing to represent the, its client in the in the dispute, um, saying that Kasowitz seeks to represent a party whose interests are not merely competing, but are substantially adverse. Uh, the firm and Kasowitz have had a number of high-profile clients in recent years. Um, obviously, the biggest, uh, the, the one that everybody knows is Donald Trump. Um, he goes back to about 2001 with Donald Trump when Kazowitz Benson did some restructuring work on Trump's failed uh, Atlantic casino properties. Um, but he has represented Trump in a lot of different litigation since then, including a defamation suit by Tim O'Brien, who wrote uh, a book about Trump in which he is alleged to have understated uh, Trump's wealth and really sort of gotten his attention. Uh, Trump sued him for $5 billion in a, a suit that he eventually lost, but with Kazowitz representing him all along the way in a very aggressive 
strategy of, of pursuing uh, a journalist for something his client uh, didn't care for. Um, he has also... We should say that Tim O'Brien is an editor at Bloomberg. That's exactly right. Yeah. He's one of my colleagues. He has uh, also been very aggressive in representing Trump in litigation, including the Trump University uh, litigation. Uh, he has represented him in other defamation suits, including a former apprentice contestant who claimed that Donald Trump uh, was sexually aggressive to her during the, uh, her time on the show. There was also something that was in the news cycle last year uh, during the election about uh, Kasowitz's representation of Trump with the New York Times and a letter. Uh, what, what happened there? Uh, Kasowitz wrote a letter to the New York Times demanding a retraction and apology for an article that uh, was about two women who claimed he had touched them inappropriately years ago. Uh, David McCraw, uh, who was a lawyer for the New York Times, responded to that, uh, refusing the uh, apology, uh, claiming that the New York Times had done nothing wrong, and uh, said, quote, uh, if Trump disagreed, quote, we, rec- we welcome the opportunity to have a court set him straight. And nothing further happened. Uh, nothing further has happened. Uh, no suit has resulted from that. And I believe that that representation, that first representation, was um, the restructure, a uh, debt restructure that David Friedman handled. And David Friedman is now was chosen by Trump to be the ambassador to Israel. And I think the the, the representation or Trump's being a client then grew from from that. That's right. David uh, Friedman is just one of the Kazowitz partners who have been considered for positions in the Trump White House. Um, he is the uh, he was named ambassador to Israel, as you mentioned. Uh, also, uh, Joe Lieberman, the former uh, Democratic vice presidential candidate and senator, was mentioned briefly as a possible replacement for Jim Comey as FBI director. Ed McNally, uh, a partner, has been mentioned as a possibility to replace Preet Bharara as the U.S. attorney in Manhattan. On the subject of Preet, I know that there was there was talk that I guess Kasowitz had maybe boasted that he was involved in Preet's firing. Whether that's true or not, I mean, it, it fits the reported persona of Kasowitz as, as bragging a bit and um, boasting of his role in, in, in prominent matters and in newsworthy um, matters. Kasowitz Benson Torres is um, very unique among the MLA 100 and 200 firms. It's 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 a top-down heavy role by Kasowitz himself. Um, he's previously told me in a statement that he runs the firm 24/7. There are no partner votes on whether to take on burdensome cases or on other matters. Kasowitz decides that. Kasowitz is also different from many firms, particularly in having a streamlined management structure with a practicing litigator on the top. The firm has had no hiring committees, no diversity committees, no compensation committees. That's very unusual for an M Law 200 firm. Right, you often hear this term benevolent, benevolent dictator, that he's a benevolent, or that it's a benevolent dictatorship. Is that, can you talk about that? Right, um, lawyers have pretty much said that, you know, all decisions, um, monumental decisions for the firm go through Kasowitz. Um, and from what I've heard, um, According to um, American Lawyer Reporting at Compensation Time, Kasowitz locks himself in a room to divvy up who gets what. Um, he's previously told on um, the magazine, we want people to focus on the practice and not 
focus so much on structure. Even the reports on financials are not, you know, it's a partnership, but it's not spread to the full partnership or even to the full group of equity partners is my understanding. And it's a, you know, it's a difficult problem for a, for a law firm, right? You've got one guy running things, deciding how much everybody makes, and he has to keep everybody happy. He's got to make sure there aren't enough defections that the firm comes apart. Now, Kazowitz has had some defections, but there have been a lot of people who have been very loyal to him and have worked at the firm for a very long time. It is a benevolent dictatorship, and like all dictatorships, benevolent and not, succession is an issue. Kazowitz is 65 years old, and uh, if he has a succession plan, he hasn't told the press what it is. So this model obviously depends a whole lot on the integrity, the wisdom, and the ability to carry on, you know, the physical ability just to come to work in the morning of a single person. Kasowitz does apparently have equity partners. Um, It has, according to American Lawyers reporting, 39 equity partners last year, which is is down from recent years with um, um, several um, uh, partner defections, um, a large group that, including a large group that employment litigation of of employment litigation attorneys who went to DLA Piper, um, a matrimonial group that started their own firm, and an insurance recovery group that went to another litigation firm, McCool Smith. This notion of uh, just a handful of AMLA 200 firms with first-generation partners that are still running their firms, what is their succession plan? Do you you know anything? From what I've heard, the firm has no succession plan. I've asked the firm about that to comment on that, and I haven't heard back. Succession planning was a concern from some of the lawyers who left, I've been told. Talk about the selection of Kasowitz to represent Trump in the Russia investigation. Isn't this out of his area of expertise? And do we know to what degree other lawyers from the firm are involved in this representation? Although some outsiders in in Washington were were, uh, struck by this appointment, it's typical for Trump to pick someone who's Loyal, so loyal to him, and Kasowitz has been so loyal to him over the years. And we've seen this throughout the Trump administration. Trump relies on people, uh, family, and people that he's known for for many years. It's not so much he's not so much concerned that a person doesn't may lack a particular competence in a in a particular area. He needs to know that he can count on the person at the end of the day. Uh, Kasowitz has represented. Trump in a number of different areas. For example, he is not a specialist in media and defamation law, yet he has taken that position uh, with Trump. Um, I think we've also seen that Trump is the kind of client who wants a lawyer who doesn't want the kind of lawyer who tells him no. He wants the kind of lawyer who tells him how he can do things. And, you know, once he once there's a mess, we'll come in and very aggressively clean it up and defend his client. And uh, we've seen this really with uh, all of Trump's lawyers. They are out front and, and Kazowitz, certainly as much as anybody, out front in the press defending the guy and uh, taking very aggressive positions on his behalf. In a 2010 profile, he talked about uh, a quote that he gave was, the way I see it is that our work is based much more on how important the case is to the company and less where the practice area is. So even back then he was talking about, I don't, I don't care what type of area this is. 
in particular on this, I'm wondering, you know, Joe Lieberman was being considered for the FBI job, uh, but took himself out of consideration when Mark Kasowitz was brought in for the for this probe. Do we expect Lieberman to be involved in this representation? Another partner is working with um, Kasowitz on the Trump matter, Michael Bowie, who's been um, very close with uh, Kasowitz over the years. Um, I don't think there's been any reporting on Lieberman. Yeah, the only reason I bring him up is you'd think that you'd want the lawyers who know best how the government works, and you'd think that would be someone who, who might <laughs> who might be able to be helpful there. So there was a recent report by Vault that the firm had cracked the top 100 most prestigious law firms coming in at 99. Uh, so talk about the effect that the Trump Association is having on the law firm overall. The firm's strong connection to Trump in business and recruiting um, is is mixed, depending on who you talk to. Um, As far as recruiting um, other lawyers, um, partners and associates, um, it's a problem most in New York due to um, the liberal-leading population here. Recruiters say it would be hard to recruit for that firm, and the firm's reputation in New York um, has a... has a mixed opinion. The, but the firm traditionally doesn't bring on many laterals. Um, nowadays, the firm brought on two lateral partners this year, both on the West Coast, and there was a lateral partner hire in New York um, last year. Um, the firm brought on 32 associates last year, more than usual. Um, but I think we'll see by the end of 2017 um, how that how it compares with previous years. Um, as far as impact on tr- the Trump connections and its impact on Kasowitz's business. I think it's also it's too soon to say. Certainly, the firm's revenue declined last year, but that it's likely the primarily the result of the market conditions on litigation firms. I think we'll have a better idea this year because Kasowitz has been front and center for the president so much. However, it wouldn't be unheard of for a client to distance themselves from a firm heavily representing Trump. We see, we saw that earlier this year when investment fund client of Morgan Lewis, the Wallace Global Fund, fired the law firm and wrote a scathing letter condemning its representation of President Trump. There's also the con- consideration here. Trump is a unique kind of a client. He's the most powerful person in the country, probably the world. And we've seen that he is somebody who will not take direction very easily. So most lawyers would like to tell him, don't tweet, don't insult judges, don't do about a million things that we've seen him do uh, during the course of his campaign and presidency, at least from a litigation point of view that you wouldn't want him to do. Most lawyers are used to having their clients take their advice and sort of respect their expertise rather than having them uh, come out, uh, come in and clean up messes for them. We've seen some reporting that said uh, a number of big prestigious firms, you know, have, have sort of taken themselves out of the running to represent Trump in the, uh, the Russia investigation, which would normally be a plum assignment, a very, you know, something that any firm would want. Many firms like to stay apolitical or say they are. Um, Kasowitz himself is said to be conservative, gave to the Trump campaign. Uh, he's also supported Democrats in the past. Lieberman, as we mentioned, is a, is a senior counsel there. Do you have a sense of the politics of the firm? A financial disclosure reports show that um, management and the firm's name partners have contributed heavily to GOP causes and committees and candidates in recent years. But just scrolling through, I've also seen um, partners on both sides uh, Partners contribute to both GOP and Democratic causes. Other than um, the management leaning to the right, it's hard to put a label on the entire partnership. 
Talk about diversity at the firm. Corporate law departments, of course, continue to say how important law firm diversity is when they're hiring. Um, do you have a sense of their uh, what their makeup is? Kasowitz, um, among the AMLA 200 firms, was ranked number 57, which is comparatively better than its ranking in the AMLA financial rankings at number 137. Um, According to American Lawyers reporting, 17.5% of its attorneys were minorities last year. About 10% of its partners were minorities. However, um, the firm has seen um, these uh, two groups of uh, headed by successful rainmaking um, female lawyers leave to go to other firms, and um, that doesn't look so great. Now, I've also seen that he reportedly bills at $1,500 an hour. He's toward the. He's definitely toward the high end uh, on that. Uh, the one thousand dollar mark was was one that, uh, for a while, was kind of the upper limit of where uh, top lawyers were going. He personally uh, bills uh, some some of the clients fifteen hundred dollars, um, but his partners are. Uh, are on the the lower end as far as uh, per partner billings among the the very top New York firms. I just like to add that the firm is really, I think, at a critical point here because um, in the last few years we've seen its financials um, and um, headcount decline um, while Mark Kasowitz is near retirement age and he is the face of the law firm and its leading rainmaker. So I think we'll see within the next few years um, how Katzowitz can keep up you know, his representation of Trump and running the, the firm as a benevolent dictator. That's all for this episode. For more on the business of law, check out biglawbusiness.com. If you'd like to contact us, our email address is biglawbusiness at bna.com. Follow Big Law Business on Twitter at biglawbiz. Follow Bob on Twitter at Bob Van Voris. Follow Christine at CHL Simmons. And follow me at Josh Block NYC. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks with a new episode. Subscribe on iTunes so that you don't miss it. This episode of Big Law Business is brought to you by Zeproved. Prex is the premier conference for in-house e-discovery professionals, whether you're a lawyer who manages corporate liability, an IT professional focused on data security, or a business manager looking to cut discovery costs. Prex brings the visionaries of the e-discovery industry together to cover today's trends and tomorrow's opportunities. Join Zeproved in Portland, Oregon on September 12th through the 14th for the sixth annual Prex, featuring keynote speaker Glenn Greenwald, the Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, best known for his reporting on NSA's surveillance programs based on classified documents disclosed by Edward Snowden. You can register now at prex17.com. That's P-R-E-X-1-7.com. Use the code Bloomberg and get 20% off registration. If you're in e-discovery, Prex is the conference for you.